and welcome back to the Kate Languages podcast. This is season four, episode five, which is the penultimate episode of this season. So just one more left to go of this season, and then I'll be back again in September for season five. Wow. Um, I hope you're all well. I was going to do another live podcast recording for this season, but I am still really suffering from this cold. My voice doesn't sound quite as bad as it did last week, I don't think, but I'm still coughing loads. And I just thought this is not an ideal time to do a live podcast recording. So I'm going to postpone that one until next season. So that'll be in September 2023. And I really, I really, really want to do it. So I will do it. And I want to be talking about teaching when you have a young family. I think that's a really, really important subject to be talking about. Because I know from teaching my online courses for MFL teachers, So many of the people on my courses are juggling, teaching, having children, just general lots of things going on in their lives, busy, busy lives. And I just think this is a really, really important conversation to be having with teachers. I've got a couple of women who want to join us for the discussion and I'd really, really love to get a male perspective on this. So if you are a man who is a dad and a teacher and would love to join us on the podcast to chat about your experiences, because being a parent is not just being a mum, being a dad and working and juggling work and parenting stuff, responsibilities, etc. Um, it's a real thing. I know hundreds of men who, you know, are are juggling that every single day. So yeah, do get in touch. I'm at Kate Languages on Instagram and Facebook, or you can email Kate at katelanguages.co.uk. Speaking of Instagram and Facebook, today's episode is gonna be about social media, the good, the bad, and the ugly in terms of social media for teachers. So I'm not going to be talking about social media in general, but actually the positives and the negatives of social media as a teacher. So some of the really, really great things that you can do with social media as a teacher. And also for me as an ex-teacher, somebody who is building an education business, creating and selling resources, etc., I'm going to be talking about some of the positives and negatives of social media from my perspective as well. But I'm also thinking in terms generally as a teacher, what are the really good and also some of the bad and some of the ugly, as in like the worst things about social media when you're a teacher. The reason I decided to do this episode goes back to November 2022 when I decided to take a month off all social media. I deleted my apps and I, okay, I'd be lying if I said I didn't go on social media at all. I had some pre-scheduled posts, which I wanted to just check and make sure. And, you know, if people are commenting on your posts, you want to interact with that and you want to engage. So I did check my social media a few times during that month, but genuinely I really didn't use it very much. And this is actually on my personal as well as my Kate Languages social media. 
the impact that that had on me and my mental health and just my general day-to-day life at the time was actually quite amazing. Like I, I don't know if, um, if other people have this, but on my phone, I've got an iPhone and on my phone, it tells me every week how much I'm using my phone on average. And genuinely on average, I use my phone. I would say, I mean, it, it says between about four and five hours a day I'm on my phone, which is quite scary. Uh, a lot of that is work-related things on social media. I'm trying to tell myself now because that does sound so much. But when I took my social media break back in November, I was down to like two hours a day, which still sounds like quite a lot because I was still using it for... Oh, yeah, so I only went off uh, Instagram, Facebook and Twitter. Oh, and by the way, just like... to. T- Full disclosure, I'm really old. Well, I'm 42. I do not use things like Snapchat and uh, does that count as social media? I don't even know. Uh, I've honestly never even tried to download TikTok uh, and things like that. So the only social media I'm going to be talking about is Facebook, Instagram and Twitter, which for younger teachers, you might be listening to this and just thinking, yeah, I don't use those anyway. They're like for old people and rubbish. So this probably doesn't impact you. (laughs) Um, Anyway, yeah, so I went off Facebook, Instagram and Twitter in November 2022 and I was using my phone a lot less. I was still using things like WhatsApp, I don't know if that counts as social media, but yeah, WhatsApp and texting and things like that. And, you know, I was still using my phone for like normal everyday things. And I do, um, I play, should I admit this? I play a lot of Candy Crush on my phone. Like while I'm watching TV, I do actually play things like Candy Crush on my phone. So that's probably where the two hours a day came from. But yeah, I mean, to reduce my phone usage by about half, was a great start and also yeah my head just felt a lot clearer I just felt a lot um a lot more positive funnily enough it's now May 2023 so what kind of you know five six months on from that and I have started using social media a lot more again but I definitely find when I use it too much it does really really affect my head I'm going to be talking about this in a bit more detail when I talk about the bad of social media, Um, but I just wanted to give a reason why I started thinking about this a lot more and and decided that this was something that I actually really wanted to talk about on the podcast as well. So to start with the good, and there are some really good things about social media, and I think sometimes social media gets a bit of a bad, you know, a bit of bad press, and um, as a teacher as well, you are told a lot of the really negative things and you worry about your students using it too much and everything. But there are some really great things about social media. So my number one absolute favourite thing as a person working in the world of education is Instagram and in particular, hashtag MFL Insta. So this was set up, this hashtag came about, uh, as far as I remember, during the pandemic Claire Wilson, who is at underscore Leo Languages on Instagram, came up with this hashtag. And I remember one month during the pandemic, we were all kind of posted. I think we did like a different post every single day. 
And it just really started to build this community of MFL teachers on Instagram. And honestly, it is such a lovely, positive, friendly place. I wouldn't know Erica, for example, who does the Spanish classes. I've just done some CPD with her. And yeah, I mean, you know, I'd like to, I'd like to call these people friends, even though I've only really seen them like once in real life. Um, a lot of it is, yeah, it's all online and video calls and Instagram lives and stuff like that. But yeah, I mean, I've met quite a few people through this hashtag MFL Insta. And as I say, it's just a really lovely, positive place. And everybody who engages with it, you know, people share each other's posts. They promote each other's ideas and posts. People share really great ideas, really great things. Um, Maya, for example, who is Senorita Reni Ola on Instagram, shares loads of really great positive things for positive mental health and things like that. And she shares, she she's actually set her Instagram account up for students as well. Um, and they can look at the posts that she shares. And she, yeah, she just shares some really, really great things to do with, like I say, mental health and um, all that kind of stuff, along with some Spanish things as well, which is fantastic. I think one of the things I really love about Instagram as well is, yeah, is this kind of focus on mental health, which is, is absolutely fantastic. But it's all done in a really pretty way. Everything just looks really nice on Instagram. And it makes me happy to kind of scroll through beautiful pictures, lovely infographics, you know. And then, yeah, the, the, the kinds of ideas that people share on there are absolutely amazing and well worth engaging with and kind of just stealing ideas from people, for sure, 100%. I also really, really enjoy doing Instagram lives. I find that a really, really fun way of engaging with other teachers. I mean, you know, as I say, I am a business owner. I am someone who is building a, a business in the world of education as well. And I find Instagram lives a really, really great way of promoting my things that I'm doing. So if I'm doing CPD or whatever, I do find Instagram lives a really, really great way of promoting and talking about the things that I'm going to be doing and just going into a bit more depth about, for example, an upcoming CPD. Actually, what does it involve? What am I going to be doing? And then because it's live, you get the questions immediately and comments that you can look at. And that really helps inform how I'm preparing the CPD and stuff as well, actually. So yeah, I do love a, a good Instagram live. And frankly, my business would not exist if it weren't for social media. I mean, right in the beginning, I set up Kate Language's Facebook, Instagram and Twitter accounts. And I used them a lot. I used the Facebook groups quite a lot. So there are some massive Facebook groups out there like Secondary MFL Matters and things like that with thousands and thousands of people in them. And, you know, I don't even know how many posts they have every single day. And I would go, you know, look through these Facebook groups and look at the kinds of posts that were there, the kinds of questions that people were asking. And that's how I started writing resources. It was from a post in Secondary MFR Matters, I think, in a Facebook group for sure. There was a post about, has anybody got a bank of writing questions for the new GCSE, which 
2017 was the GCSE that is now becoming the old GCSE. And I'll be talking about the next new GCSE in my next podcast episode. And yeah, and I just thought, well, I could do that. I could write a bank of writing questions for the for the GCSE, you know, for the, for the new style writing that was uh, different bullet points and things like that. So I started with a French one. I think I shared it for free to start with just to see what people thought. And then I realised I could maybe make some money from it and it kind of all snowballed from there. So yeah, if it weren't for Facebook groups, then I wouldn't be selling resources. I think they could be really, really, really great for stressed teachers as well. People who, you see posts on there that people are really like slightly in panic mode sometimes. At the moment, a lot of people are doing GCSE oral exams. And I've seen a few posts recently where people, like I say, are almost slightly in panic mode about how do we do this? Oh my gosh, I did something wrong with the oral. Um, for example, I, you know, I asked the wrong question or I did, I it went on for too long and they just they just need a bit of reassurance from people who are in the same boat that actually it's okay you just need to contact the exam board or whatever and I think for that that definitely falls into the good aspect of social media for sure okay now for the bad haha <laughs> we all know the negative impacts that social media can have on young people. As teachers, we are trained, usually, you should be trained anyway, about social media and screen time. I think it's part of prevent training and things like that. So you really should, you should know about it. The negative impacts, things like bullying, peer pressure, negative impacts on their mental health, unrealistic views of people's lives, things like that. I mean, if you don't know, just Google it. There are thousands of articles out there. I actually think that these negative impacts on young people are also really relevant for adults, for teachers, for everybody. It's not just about young people. The bullying that can happen on certain social media platforms is actually really quite nasty. And that's part of my the ugly section. So I'll go into that in a bit more depth in a bit. The unrealistic view of people's lives. I think this is a bit of an issue on educational social media. Instagram worthy photos of people's classrooms, I'm sorry, are so unrealistic. And I know this for a fact because the other day, I mean, I don't have a classroom, I have an office. My office is usually an absolute tip, right? So I don't usually tend to take photos of my office because it just looks awful. I probably should. I should probably be more realistic, more open and honest, but genuinely it's just embarrassing what an absolute tip I work in most of the time. However, I had somebody at my house earlier this week filming me for a project that I'm working on that I really really want to talk about but I want to wait until it's all up there and already and available so I will talk about it soon so he came in and I was just like well I want I I wanted the filming to be done in my office like anywhere else in my house I didn't really feel would be the right place to do it so I spent the whole of bank holiday Monday after the king's coronation that bank holiday cleaning and tidying up my office It took me a whole day to get my office so clean 
and tidy. I mean, mainly tidy. No, it was filthy as well, but mainly tidy. Uh, so that I could have somebody come and film and the office looked really, really good. And then I took a little video of how clean and tidy and how great my office was looking and put it on Instagram. It's like, like I say, I, I don't normally put pictures of my office. Or like if I put pictures of my computer, I clear all around it first. Like normally I've got piles of papers and books and notebooks. I mean, I've got like five notebooks on the go at any given time in my life. And my planner and also, you know, I've got textbooks and half drunk cups of tea and everything so my point here is not that I'm a filthy slob my point is people live normal lives and on Instagram everything just looks all clean and clear and you know these beautiful workspaces and it's just not realistic or when you're looking at classrooms, and the worst time of year for this is August, September, when people are posting pictures of their new classrooms and they've put all these displays up and they all look absolutely amazing and fantastic. I don't think these people are also posting pictures of their classrooms in June, July, end of year. Are those displays even still up? Are they all like peeling from the corners? You know, it has to be a little bit more realistic. And I think these unrealistic photos can actually be really detrimental. The The negative impact of comparing yourself to other people. If your classroom looks like, let's face it, 99.9% .9 of classrooms, but you see these beautiful classrooms on Instagram, you're going to feel rubbish, even though your classroom's perfectly fine and it's a great working environment hopefully for the children who are in your class like that's the most important thing not that your displays look good on Instagram one of the other bad things about social media it can be negative comments and people can be quite quick to criticize again I don't see this on Instagram I find maybe I'm just really really careful with who I follow and just the way that the MFL Insta community has developed I do find it really positive however I've seen it in Facebook groups and Twitter Twitter in particular but Twitter is my ugly section of this podcast episode so I'm not going to talk about Twitter right now but some Facebook groups and like I say they are really helpful for stressed out teachers or for asking questions or you know for asking advice and things like that but my gosh some people are nasty I'm sorry I, I'm just gonna say it some people are really unpleasant and the comments on people's posts you just think come on you're teachers well you're meant to be teachers if you're in these Facebook groups you are teachers don't be mean don't be nasty it goes back to the the bullying and the making people feel rubbish on social media like why would you do that there is no need for it at all I'm not going to give any specific examples but I've definitely seen it and I have to say I'm I'm following the Facebook groups again at the moment but for a long time I did actually mute them because I found them quite like I say they can just be a bit mean and a bit nasty I mean even I've had comments when I've posted something I think people have actually commented and asked why I charge money for what I do and I'm like well because you know I need 
electricity, I gotta pay my bills, I need to live in a house, my child needs to eat. Um, you know, what what other reasons do you need for charging money for the work that you do? So yeah, I think people can and I think that the problem is you don't get the nuances when you are either on a Facebook group, I mean especially Twitter again. I'm gonna talk about Twitter in a, in a bit more detail in a bit. But yeah, you you don't get the nuances when you're typing and when it's just quick comments, people don't read, oh my gosh, people do not read things properly either. And I know this from everything that I do, everything on my website, emails, everything. People just don't read stuff properly. I know that teachers are busy. I get that. But yeah, so people don't read things properly. They misinterpret things. They comment, you know, they, they bang out these responses, these comments, and it can all just be really quite negative and quite nasty. And I think that can really affect people and yeah, just be nice. Just be more MFL Insta. Because, yeah, like I say, I don't I, I don't see the negativity on MFL Insta ever. Uh, it may be there. I don't know. But I don't see it. The other thing, and again, I'm now talking from the perspective of somebody who is building an education business, is that one of the bad things about social media is that you don't own social media. Well, unless you're Mark Zuckerberg listening to this, hello, hi, how are you? You don't own social media. You don't own the algorithm, and the algorithm changes all the time. You could put a post on social media that nobody sees because of the algorithm, because of the time of day that you post it, because of whatever reason. If anybody knows the reasons, let me know, because I swear to God, I put stuff on, on social media that I... I think is really great and I think people are going to like and literally like one person likes it and then I put something else on there and about a hundred people like it and I just think okay I've got I've got no idea how this works I don't know anyway so the algorithm changes all the time you don't own it you don't own any information about your contacts on social media all you have is that these people are following you for me podcasting I find is a really really great way of building a community and also if you are writing resources and selling resources if you're wanting to share ideas and information and things like that I really really think and this is not just my opinion this is kind of general practice within the entrepreneurial kind of business community as well an email list is absolutely vital so I use MailChimp um, I have actually started paying for it, but you can do, get it for free. So it depends how big, you're, like once you get past, I think it's about 750 subscribers or something like that, you do actually have to pay for it. So yeah, so if you want to build quite a big email list, then you do have to pay for it, but a smaller email list you don't have to pay for. And it looks really professional and it's really, really good. And you know, if you're emailing people, that that email is getting into their inboxes and you can share your ideas and your thoughts, newsletters, all those kinds of things. I just think it's really, really great. And I actually get some really great feedback from my emails as well. People respond to my MailChimp emails and I get the responses straight into my inbox and we can have a great conversation. And that's a really great way of getting to know people, getting to know your audience, getting to know what people want and need and things like that. So as I say, from the perspective of somebody who creates and sells resources and who's building a, an education business, uh, email list is way more effective than social media anyway. All right, now for the ugly. 
I've alluded to this a couple of times already. It's Twitter. I'm sorry, but for me, Twitter is ugly. I know some people love Twitter. I just can't be part of it anymore. So when, as I said, I took a social media break in November 2022. And the main impact I found was I was so much happier not being on Twitter. Not having to look at the arguments and the self-promotion. And I know, sorry, I know I have a business and I promote myself. I get that. But there is an element of self-promotion, self, I want to say, okay, this is a French, I want to say like agrandissement, what's it called? Aggrandizement, something like that. Like just the egos oh, um, on edgy Twitter. And I have to say, MFL Twitterati are lovely, again, they're all fine, a little bit more negative than MFL Insta, because of certain characters on Twitter who aren't on Instagram, which is another reason I think I like Instagram. There are certain people who shall remain nameless, who are very active on Twitter, but don't yet use Instagram. And for me, it's a much safer space to be on Instagram where these characters are not one of my main reasons for not using Twitter is since Elon Musk took over. And I've got to say, I just can't stand him. I don't like him as a person. I mean, I don't know him, but I don't like what I have seen of him as a person. I don't like what he's doing to Twitter. It just it just seems to be going down the toilet, really. And I just decided after my social media break that I wasn't going to go back on Twitter. And I deleted my account. And I'm not going to lie, I do not miss it at all. So, yeah. Elon Musk is a reason why I don't want to be on Twitter. But yeah, edgy Twitter, the... Oh, it's just so negative. And there, I just find there are so many people on there who are poking, like poking the bear, you know, just like pressing people's buttons and deliberately trying to be controversial because they just want attention. And I just think it's a bit pathetic, really, and it's a bit sad. My other problem with edgy Twitter and this is a bit of a problem that I have overall with teacher social media and I'd be really interested to hear from anybody if you feel the same way and if you have noticed this as well okay it's a bit of a feminist issue so my issue with the world of education in general really but mainly with Oh, these like edu celebs, I suppose they like to think of themselves. These people with like, you know, 30, 40,000 followers or whatever. So schools are predominantly full of women, right? The vast majority of teachers, I don't know what the percentage is, but the vast majority of teachers are women. Why is it that the loudest voices on social media are male. Why? It's the same reason that most, like if you're in a primary school, there are so many male head teachers when there are so few male primary school teachers. And there are so many male head teachers in secondary schools. I know there are a lot of female head teachers. I know that. And there are some quite loud female voices on edgy Twitter and you know the the education social media 
world, the world of education in general. But seriously, why is it an MFL in particular, right? I have hardly ever worked with any men in MFL. Honestly, I reckon I could name them. I've worked in like five or six schools and I could probably tell you all the men I've worked with and I could probably count them on one hand. So why are the loudest voices on MFL social media, and again, I'm sorry, this is way more on Twitter than on MFL Insta, which is probably another reason I love MFL Insta so much. Um, Not that I don't like men, this isn't an anti-men rant, this is just, it's just a frustration that I have. And I find quite a lot of these men, particularly the ones who've got very loud voices on Twitter, shout over the women and they shout us down and they put you down and yeah they're just again just unpleasant like I was saying about the Facebook groups why do you have to be so unpleasant why can't people support each other and lift each other up and that is why I find Twitter so ugly and why as I said I don't miss it at all so this is probably quite a personal episode of the podcast because it is something I feel quite strongly about as I say, there are some really great things about social media, but oh yeah, there's some there's some really bad things. So I feel like I've vented a little bit, got got a bit of a rant off my chest. I really, I would really, really love to know what you think about what I've said. Do you agree? Am I being a little bit paranoid, thinking that Twitter is dominated by very loud male voices, or is that something you found as well? Are you even still on Twitter? Have you left Twitter? Are you part of the MFL Insta community? If not, get yourself an Instagram account and join us because everybody's really lovely. And yeah, what do you think of the Facebook groups? Um, let me know. Let me know. Kate at gatelanguages.co.uk or you can contact me on Facebook and Instagram at Kate Languages on both. Or you can sign up to my mailing list on my website when you get 10% off anything, there's a special 10% discount code that if you sign up to my mailing list, it sends you an automated email. It's really clever. And you get the special 10% discount code for anything, literally everything, including buy everything, which is a new thing that I've got on my website, which is normally 250 quid. Uh, So 10% off that is 25 quid. That's quite a lot of money. Anyway, yeah. So let me know. And I can't wait to hear what people think of this one. And yeah, I will be back next week with my last episode of the season. And that is going to be about the new GCSE. So not the current GCSE, which used to be a new GCSE, which is now the old GCSE, but the new, new, new GCSE, first teaching September 2024, first exams June 2026. So I've been having a really really good look through the specifications the sample assessment materials for French because they're the only ones that are out at the moment and I've been collating my ideas because I'm going to be creating resources for the new GCSE because that's what I do and I just yeah I've got quite a few ideas and thoughts and things like that I did mention a little bit about it actually in the first episode of this series but I just wanted to go into a lot more detail about what I found explaining the differences between the current GCSE and the new GCSE for anyone who's not had the time to actually research it in as much depth as I have so far and 
yeah, just giving my thoughts and ideas on what it's going to be like. So hopefully you can join me for that one as well. But until then, auf Wiedersehen, adios, au revoir, bye.